1: Hey guys, quick public service announcement. In the introduction to the show you're about to hear, I am fairly certain I repeatedly referred to the guy the Knicks signed on Tuesday um, as James White, as opposed to his actual name, Andrew White, which is the type of mistake that you make after uh, you record an intro following two straight hours of podcasting with three other people. Um, but no. The Knicks did not sign uh, James Flight White, who is 30 uh, something years old, and I'm fairly certain is playing somewhere in Europe. Um, just uh, FYI. Okay, on to the show. Hey there, Knicks fans! How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast. I'd like to think that my openings are getting more and more excited because we are getting closer and closer to Knicks basketball. I'm genuinely unsure of what is going to be the case when it gets to like 6.30 on Friday. And like I sit down and I actually I should probably know this whether tip off is at seven or seven thirty, but whatever to sit down and like watch the watch the pregame show, which who the hell knows how they're going to do it, because I think Mike and Clyde are probably going to be announcing remotely, but whatever, um, man. I'm, just, I'm like thinking back in my mind to all the crap that I've written about over the last nine months. And now it's 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 here. Now I, I get to watch basketball and, and write about basketball like real actual games. And that's just I don't know. That's so awesome. And uh, I hope you are as excited as me. Um cuz I'm very excited and and I think we all should be even if this team um it might not be very good but hopefully they give us some stuff to uh to be excited about this year. Um so special treat to get you and all of us ready for the beginning of the season, we did a crossover episode um, this is part one. And, um, well, I'll say who the crossover guests are. So, me and Jeremy got together in addition to our usual spot that comes out on Mondays. We got together again and we uh, hooked up with the Lockdown Knicks guys, uh, Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw. Um, and we did three episodes, um, in which each episode features each one of us making a bold prediction for the year ahead, uh, where the Knicks are concerned. So the episode that you are about to hear, um, features again, Alex, Gavin, um, myself and Jeremy each making one bold prediction. And then, um, actually it should be up right now, uh, the, Next two episodes of Locked On Knicks will will feature the rest of those bold predictions. So um, we had some fun with this. We just got done recording a few minutes ago. As I'm I'm recording this intro now on Tuesday night. Um, yeah, so uh, this this will hopefully get everybody in a in a festive mood uh, for the beginning of the season. A um, couple of the things I just wanted to hit on really quickly. Uh, the Knicks made a series of transactions. Uh, Well, let me rephrase that. Mark Stein of the New York Times reported that the Knicks were going to be making a series of transactions um, last night, um, Monday night. Uh, Specifically, they will be signing um, uh, James Young, uh, former uh, 17th overall pick of the Boston Celtics. As well as Scal um, once upon a time, number two prospect in the nation went to, both of those guys went to Kentucky. So how you doing? Um, and, uh, yeah, both of those guys are going to be signed to exhibit 10 contracts. And then actually a few hours ago tonight on Tuesday, it was announced that the Knicks are bringing back uh, James White, who was on their Westchester team last year, and that they're going to be signing him to an Exhibit 10 contract. Um, just a point of clarification. Uh, I'm sure I'll write about this on Wednesday's newsletter, but for those of you who don't subscribe, um, here's the, the deal right now. The Knicks have 20 players signed to contract. That is the most that you could have in training camp. So all of these moves that have all of these signings, the three that I just mentioned that have been reported, those cannot happen right now um, unless between when I'm recording this and when you hear it, uh, the Knicks have waived a player because that's what, needs, that's what needs to happen for any more signings to occur. They either need to waive someone, they need to... Um, trade, uh, you know, a player for or trade two for one or whatever. They need to open up a roster spot. Now, here's the thing. I just said that there's three players that they have agreed to sign to Exhibit 10 contracts. An Exhibit 10 contract is basically a contract that brings you into the team, but you can sign the player to Exhibit 10 contract. You could cut them the very next day. The benefit of signing an Exhibit Ten contract is it's a without getting into the weeds of it, it's a financial boon for the player because they get paid more money from it, and the team gets to retain that player's G League rights. Now, obviously, um, if a player gets signed to an Exhibit Ten contract, comes into camp, gets cut the next day, um, he is then yes, the the team retains his G League rights, but another NBA team could offer him an NBA contract. And obviously that player is free to go sign that NBA contract. That's not what the Knicks are are thinking with these things. Um At least I don't think they are. Here's how I think this is going to go. And it may, it may not go this way, or at least let me say this. It is what the Knicks could do. The Knicks could cut one player. Let's say, um, they cut, uh, oh my God, it's been a long, it's been a long evening. Uh, Jacob Evans, the, the other guy they got in the, the trade, uh, where they traded Ed Davis's contract away. They could cut Jacob Evans, let's say, um, to put a day on it. Let's say they, they cut Jacob Evans on Wednesday afternoon. And, um, later that evening, they signed Scalabissier to an exhibit 10 contract. They could then cut Scal I believe there is no real time frame for how long they have to keep him. Like basically the next day. And then that roster spot gets opened up again. So they could sign scal, cut scal, and then sign James White with that using that twentieth roster spot. And then cut James White the next day, or waive James White the next day. And then finally sign um uh James James Young. So, whatever. You get the point. They could, they could cycle through one roster spot. Now, to be absolutely clear, that still doesn't take care of their roster logjam because if you're doing some quick math, they have 20 roster spots. Two of those are set for two way players, uh, Jared Harper and uh, Theo Pinson. Those go to the side. They don't count against the roster, um, you know, the roster crunch. They also have two guys in Cap who camp who are currently on Exhibit 10 deals, Miles Powell from Seton Hall and Michael Kidd Gilchrist. They could cut those guys or waive those guys and then they retain their G League rights, but they're still one over the limit. So if you are someone out there who is dead set on making sure that Omari Spellman and Iggy Brazdekas and whoever else, you know, get you know, retained for the big league roster. Here's the way that happens you cut Evans, you cycle through that spot to sign all these other Exhibit 10 guys again, sign, wave, sign, wave, sign, wave. And then you eventually also wave Kid Gilchrist and Miles Powell, retain their G League rights. All of those guys get sent down to West, or up as it were, to Westchester. And there you have it. You're you have your 15 player roster. You have all these guys in the G League. Um, The only issue there is that, you know, my guess is that especially with a guy like Kid Gilchrist, but I would also imagine with a guy like Scal, um, you know, you you got that player because you've told them, hey, we're going to try really hard and we should be able to open up NBA roster spot for you at some point. Um, there's also the possibility of waiving one of the guys on the two way contracts, whether it be Harper or, or Pinson. They have a lot of options. The point that I wanted to make very clear is that just because they have announced or this bevy of moves has, has been announced, um, it, it doesn't mean it's not a death knell for anyone in particular on the roster. And, you know, that's, you know, for some people that means. More than others. Um, in any case, uh, that is that is that is where things are at. So, um, without further ado. Oh no! Wait, we have. Wait, what is? How does? What is the genesis of that phrase? So, if, if if we have more ado, we have more ado. Yes, we have more ado. Um, before we get to our episode, a, a very quick word from our sponsor. If you've been listening to the last few episodes, you have heard me uh, read this ad before, and I'm, I'm happy to read it because I, I I'm happy to read it. I'll just I'll leave it at that. Um, injuries are part of sports. If a Nick gets hurt, they typically recover. But when one of us gets injured because of someone else's negligence, it can be a life changing event. And when that happens, you want a strong legal team fighting for you to make sure you receive full compensation for your injuries. You want to be able to call your legal team whenever you want. You don't want to be a file on a shelf with hundreds of others. And you don't want your lawyers to be afraid to go to court. The legal team at Faruqi and Faruqi does a lot of things. They give every client their personal cell phone number to call twenty four seven. They limit the number of clients they represent at one time. And they have a long track record of taking Whoever they need to to court, insurance companies, corporations, the government, and most of all, they have a track record of winning. And while prior results do not guarantee similar outcome, you could learn more about Faruqi and Faruqi by visiting New York legal team, excuse me, NY One more time, I want to make sure I get that right. The letters NY Legal One more time, NY, as in New York, legal team to go again, see more about um, Faruqi and Faruqi on their website. Joining me now on the Knicks Film School podcast, we are now uh, officially in the middle of training camp week, uh, preseason, first game preseason week, and... Um, God, the first NBA uh, game that will be played uh, will be played in less than two weeks. And the first Knicks game is is a little bit more than two weeks away. All things to be excited about. And so what better thing to do to celebrate than to make predictions? And who better to make predictions that probably won't come true than the most esteemed voices of Knicks niche podcasting, to to borrow a a Zach Lowe line? Uh, First, my co-host. And uh, and just just one of my favorite people, Jeremy Cohen. Hello, Jeremy. Hey, John. How are you? I'm all right. Actually, don't
2: answer <laughs> Um I've been we, better. I've been worse.
1: <laughs> there you go. Um, but we couldn't do this, just me and, me and good old Jeremy. So we brought in the heavy hitters, um, the hosts of uh, the most listened to Nick's podcast out there. And if you are not subscribed and listening to this bad boy on a daily basis, I don't know what you are doing um alex and gavin hey guys
0: yo hey john
3: long-time listener first-time caller honored to be (laughs) on very excited very excited to make these predictions with you
0: i think we're uh you know you said most listened to i think we're kind of volume shooters I think I put it to you exactly. the one time. Like since we do five shows a week, we're basically like Monte Ellis scoring fifty points on fifty yeah, shots. Yeah. I was gonna still, go with
1: Luca. I mean, Luca—dirty little <laughs> secret—he's only at what thirty-two points something, thirty-three. No, maybe a little bit higher, thirty-three points something, something like that. Yeah, I'll,
3: I'll take Luca over Monte if we, if we
1: ever do. <laughs> I, I'm sure you will. Yeah. Um, okay, so here's how this is gonna work. This is actually gonna be the first of three episodes. Um, this episode obviously is is running right now because you're listening to it, in which all of us will make one um, bold. And that's the other thing I should have mentioned these aren't just like you know Frank's gonna average over a steal a game no 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 we're putting ourselves out on a bit of a limb with these um, we're all gonna make a, a bold preseason prediction one each on this episode and then um, we will all uh, continue this conversation on Locked on Next, which is why again if you're not subscribed you should subscribe to that and we'll make a few more predictions on uh, I think two episodes of, of that show coming up um, later this week so um without further ado I, I wish i had straws that we would pick virtually um but i don't so how should we decide this who's the who is um i'm thinking of a number between one and ten jeremy
3: or alex seven. Oh, i was gonna go with seven it's it, uh, it, it, shit it, now, now I, it, I'm really screwed here because I can go between them. I can go too, too late, one. Gavin. It was seven. seven. Hey, Gavin said seven, I heard Gavin say seven first. Oh my god, we're we're already in hot to, water. I don't need to get okay.
0: um, stuck. <laughs> Alex, wh- why don't why don't you choose? You could choose to go first. You could choose who goes first, and then I'm gonna. We'll... You know what? I'll just since Gavin was gonna get the number right anyway, I'll pass it to Gavin. There you go. All right,
3: I guess. All right, I'm gonna go with what I will say is I was I was gonna say. The heavy-hitting prediction um, um, for our podcast, but but since I'm first, I'll, I'll bring it out here. I was going to say something about Frank, but instead I will go with RJ Barrett and say that he is going to hit the following statistical benchmarks this year: 35 minutes played a game, 20 points per game, five rebounds, and four assists. Uh, my case is pretty simple. Uh, there's no one like RJ Barrett on the Knicks in terms of pedigree style, uh, role, uh, need for him to show something this season, but also his actual ability to do those things on the court. Tom Thibodeau obviously has a history of relying pretty heavily on whoever his best player is at the time. He's not afraid to play that particular person significant minutes. Um, I feel like RJ, with the right amount of shots and the right amount of, I guess, prominence in the offense... This is all very achievable. I don't think he's going to score 20 points particularly efficiently, but I do think he'll do it. I'm pretty confident his three-pointer is going to be better. I think the spacing around him will be a lot better, and you'll see games far more similar um, to when he went off against the Rockets than what we saw probably for 80% of the year. I I do think this prediction is contingent on Julius Randle being dealt by the deadline, because if not, I I just don't think he gets enough touches for it to get done. Um, But I do think that will happen, and I do think RJ, uh, given a big role, can put up these numbers, even if he doesn't do do so in an ideal way in terms of efficiency and in terms of shot profile.
1: Can can I ask, of the four, which are you most dubious about happening?
3: Um, The points or the assists, the assists because there are just a lot of Ball handlers that the you, Knicks had. You had
1: five five rebounds, four assists, the other way around?
3: Yeah, so him getting the okay. four assists is like a little iffy. I think he's going to faster get that done. I think ultimately the 20 points is where I'm least confident. Oh. I, can see it. I think if I wasn't being bold, I probably would have capped it at like 17 or 18. But I, I do think it's with slightly better three point shooting, I think it's feasible he gets the 20.
1: Yeah, I think the 20, the 20. Well, here's the thing. If he gets to 35 minutes, I think he's getting the 20 to the 20 points. I don't yeah. think
0: he's getting the 35 minutes. That's where I'm. That's my Alex. You, am I am I off here? Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe not. It just depends on how reformed Tibbs really is as far as his. uh Oh, his his wayward ways. Yeah. Well, I mean, because he's talked the talk about getting better about playing guys too many minutes. And, but you know, he kind of, I think talked to talk a little bit about that before the Timberwolves and then proceeded to play Wiggins and cat and Butler, like tons and tons of minutes. Yeah. Um, I think that, I think ultimately RJ could hit 35 minutes because I think that my stance with regard to Tibbs and minutes this year is this. And it, I think this is basically how it's gone at every stop. He doesn't, he doesn't like force the players to play that many minutes. I think that if the players think that they're physically capable of doing that yeah. and they choose to and they're, like, enthusiastic about it, then Tibbs will play them that many minutes. Although uh, Wiggins was winded a few t- Like,
1: that was a, a running theme, I feel like, in Minnesota occasionally where yeah. Wiggins would, like – it would be, like, two minutes left in the first quarter and he, Tibbs hadn't taken him out and you'd see him, like, with his, you know, hands on his knees. or whatever. Well, maybe
0: maybe Tibbs was the one that inspired Wiggins to put on, you know – 40 pounds of muscle or whatever this offseason, whatever that meme is going around. <laughs> Did he get Twitter. jacked? He, get, he got pretty jacked. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw the to meme, the degree but I, that the I, meme is. But yeah, he got okay. I, the <laughs> meme right. was someone. I, I don't remember who but someone it maybe it was just a random tweet that I saw that got barely any interaction. No, I saw I thought, it too. It was
1: his head on Giannis's body, right? No,
0: no. no. The <laughs> one that I saw was someone someone took his arms and like Photoshop blew them up to be like enormous and then was like, uh like breaking Andrew Wiggins says he put on like 400 pounds of muscle this off season or something is with these like giant, like Photoshop enhanced arms. Um, um, but yeah, now I mean, yeah. Just like, like you said, like Wiggins was getting winded or whatever RJ probably would be too, because I think that we saw under, under Fizdale when he was playing RJ like 36, 37 minutes a game, that he was getting tired out during games too, and it was affecting his performance. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if RJ would ever say no. Like, I don't think that RJ was putting up any resistance to, to Fizz as far as playing minutes. Cause I think RJ's a competitor and he's just like, I'll play however many minutes it takes, you know, that you think is going to get us a win. Yeah. Um, so I think ultimately that's where we'll come to with Tibbs, too, is ultimately I, it's just going to be like.
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm going to throw out very quickly. Another variable for me is potential COVID absences. And I think there will be nights where the Knicks will inherently have shorter rotations. Sure. Um, and obviously that's impossible to predict. Who knows? Maybe everyone on the team has already had it. Um, but there's there's a scenario where there are stretches where he's going to have to go far over 35 minutes
1: yeah no i i all all good points um i'm writing all these down by the way because i'm holding i'm holding us all to these whoever whoever gets the most gets uh the other three have to chip in for like a
0: bottle of scotch uh props jeremy to you for writing them down sorry props to you for writing them down on pen and paper considering we literally have a digital log of them on twitter in ADF, <laughs> my, mind, my <laughs> mind
1: doesn't work like this
0: um <laughs> J- jeremy we should do some twitter polls following
1: this up anyway uh jeremy you want to give us your first yeah uh, well just quickly um i
2: think Absolutely. What you guys are saying makes a ton of sense. Also in terms of um, how many shots RJ Barrett is taking in order to get 20 points. Um, I think if he, if he, (laughs) he, uh, you know, gets to the rim quite a lot, if he's, if he improves his finishing, especially if he's able to, you know, even be 10% better from the free throw line, then he's definitely going to get closer to that, that 20 point mark. Um, But, you know, I mean, it's, I agree. I think Randall probably has to be gone in order for that to uh, come about. So uh, sure. For my point, perfect segue. Um, I believe that by the time of the trade deadline, Julius Randall will be, this is a bold prediction, I guess, uh, although maybe it isn't um, he'll be second in the team in minutes played per game. And the thing that I keep thinking about is, okay, well, obviously you've got Obi Toppin, who's just begging to steal his starting spot, whether it's, because uh, Randall started last year or because he's going to potentially be starting this year, who knows. Um, But the idea as well, that it would mean that he has to be so good that he stays on the floor for that period of time. Um, And that the offense can in some ways flow through him in a way that it was destructive last time. Um, Maybe it could be more constructive this time. I'm, I'm still skeptical, but um, the idea of Tibbs running, veterans Uh, we know that he maybe doesn't play rookies and second year players quite as much as um, we may think he definitely likes the veterans so getting a guy like Julius Randall who obviously is very close to Kenny Payne figuring out some sort of rotations where he's able to log significant minutes uh, trailing only in this case RJ Barrett um, I'm going to put that as my first bold prediction
3: yeah I think all, all I would throw out there is um, we talked about a little bit because we got a mailbag question about OB and Julius Randall playing together. And Alex and I both uh, pretty immediately came to the conclusion that's not at all tenable. So I'm, I'm just interested to see what that looks like, because I think if Randall is second in minutes, that means him and Obi, there's obviously some overlap. And does that mean one of them is a small ball five or are you trying to go super big, which I don't. I personally think doesn't make any sense? But I also think to your point, Jeremy, I wouldn't be shocked if it happened.
1: I'd go with the I'd go with someone playing small ball five. It's and just th- from the thinking of like, you know, Nerlands Noel played. Uh, you said this the other day on our pod, Jeremy, he played 18 minutes a game last year. The season before that, he only played 13 minutes a game. I mean, he might just be a 15, 16 minute a game player in a perfect world. Um, you know, Stephen Adams was a little banged up last year part of the reason why maybe New has got even more minutes than he's accustomed to. Mitch is, you know, listen, it's, it's the great, it's the great unknown with Mitch. When can he get up to 30 minutes a game? I mean, who the hell knows? But if you're asking me if there's five minutes a game where those guys could share the floor, yeah, I think there's five minutes a game where they could, where they could share it, but we'll, you know, we'll see. Um, all right, Alex, it's, this is my part of the show. So I'm, I'm going to punt it to you so I can go last.
0: Um, what's your, <laughs> um, I'm going to turn it to you. Yeah. What do you, what do you um, got? I was just going to briefly add to that. Oh, please. That, that discussion, the the mailbag question that we got asked was apparently, I don't know where exactly he brought it up, but Alan Hahn, may, maybe it was on his show or maybe it was somewhere else, <laughs> brought up that they're entertaining playing Obi Toppin at the three. Excellent. And if that ever happens, I mean, it's going to be a strong discussion between what was more disastrous, playing Obi at the three or playing Kevin Knox at the two. Like as far as horrendous decisions, well, Alex, it's oh, a
3: wow. world where we see both of them together this year. Can you
0: imagine the ultra big line? That would be Mike Woodson's wet dream the, the <laughs> with East's RJ big at the man point, lineup. right? Yeah, well, RJ running yeah. point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, Frank at the point. Okay, yeah.
3: like,
2: Randall be, at the point, and then you got to just you know make it even <laughs> bigger from there. Yeah,
0: I mean, you could do like Randall at the point, Knox at the two, Obi at the three. And then Nerlens and Mitch at the four and five. That's or, the or East you could big have DSJ
3: as a rim running five if you really want to invert the you off. Know.
0: That's true. Yeah, you could yeah. invert it. Yeah. switcheroo there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. DSJ <laughs> man in the middle.
3: You got you got ups. Show the it. Lakers.
1: The Lakers ran out lineups where I think everybody was six. Well, how tall is Danny Green? Danny Green might have been the He's shortest five. one. He's like, He's like Sixers yeah, but,
2: did it too, where they had uh, what was it like Richardson and Simmons That's and Sheed. Yeah couple of guys. Hey, listen,
0: East is is, is big, man. East is big, man. (laughs) So it's the West, apparently. I don't know. Perfect transition to you. You're the tallest person on here. Yeah. All right. The 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 crossover is big, man. All right. (laughs) All right. My first prediction and this one, this one actually overlaps. I I like semi cheated. I didn't think of a new one for this one. This one overlaps with the one that we recorded for the Locked On NBA uh, national show. And, you know, Macri, this is me, like, basically spitting in your face and spitting in your sources' faces. Um, Hold on, let me get a towel. (laughs) (laughs) Because I refuse to believe anything else, and this is probably just me being blind. Uh, But I'm going to say my bold prediction is that Frank becomes the first Knicks draft pick to get either extended or re-signed since Charlie Ward, thus breaking the aptly named by fans and media alike Charlie Ward curse. Uh, And becoming the first Nick to, you know, extend his career from rookie to, uh, I guess, well, not from rookie, but from rookie contract to second contract on the Knicks, I guess I should say. Uh, And yeah, I don't know. It just, it it would be so beautiful to me. I don't know. It's just like poetic justice that he got drafted by Phil Jackson over Dennis Fitz Jr. Who then, you know, Phil Jackson gets fired like five days later and then, you know, obviously they weren't going to deal him then because like, you know, he was still their draft pick regardless of if Mills or Perry or whoever liked him versus anybody else. But then, you know, literally starting by like the trade deadline of his first season, he's getting involved in trade rumors. Every single trade deadline since then it's been like, Oh, the Knicks are willing to trade Frank Nilakina for literally anything. Like we'll take a top 55 second round, you know, protected pick for him like blah, blah, blah. Like, if anybody made even the smallest offer for Frank Nilakina, the Knicks would deal him. And yet he survived, and he survived, and he survived. And then, you know, he's gone through, what, f- three coaches now? Well, this uh, is his fourth coach, yeah. Yeah, this is going to be his fourth coach coming up uh, and his third regime now that he's under. And, you know, he's, he's like uh, – I've called him before. He's like a beautiful cockroach. You know, there's just no killing him. Um, he's going to survive – He's going to survive all the Knicks nuclear holocausts and retire a Nick someday.
1: Can I, can I ask a clarifying question? Are yeah, you predicting sure. he signs the extension before the season?
0: Um, if it were up to me, he would, well, I, I but, would, if it were up to me. He would too, but I'm, I'm just, um, no, I don't think he's going to, uh, cause I do think that the new front office wants to get a look at him. Like, and just be certain that he's going to be a guy that they want to keep around. Um, Which, you know, again, that kind of points to your reporting. that, like, it sounds like you're reporting and others that it sounds like Dennis Smith Jr. is sort of the apple of their eye still somehow. And is like the guy that they're determined to like, to use Fizz terminology, get right uh, versus Frank. But, you know, I don't think they're going to extend him before the season, unless there's like a crazy, crazy good deal. I actually don't even know for sure that they'll, um, given the qualifying offer if they think that there's a chance that you know they can get someone else in free agency next year i think that they'll just sign him to a reasonable contract next offseason because this qualifying yeah. offer jeremy you could correct me is something like eight it's eight, 8. 8. five million. three yeah but it's but the but the cap it's the cap hold it's which is yeah uh, exactly it's just a cap hold something. until they sign a number Seven, but yeah you know. 17 million yeah. 17 sorry yeah yeah. Yeah. But so, uh, yeah, that's, that's my prediction. I don't know. How do you guys feel about I, that? Macri, I'll throw it to you first. You can like, tell well, no, me I just, I want to say, gone, but
1: if I've ever, listen, I, I stay upright in these fucking things until three in the morning. So I, I, I could type shit that it's just wrong. Um, I don't think I've ever re- reported that someone has told me that like, they are not going to extend Frank. And if, um, if I've intimated that, then that's, that's my bad. It is my, feeling just based on like again the the, the things you hear around as i'm sure all of you guys hear stuff too um that it my my confirmation we
0: do not you're the one with sources here we are all just regular scrubs well so
1: i i
3: I hear stuff (laughs) from you john
0: okay
1: um i just it would it would it would surprise me just because i you know and again i'm not this is not me breaking news here it doesn't feel like the organization is um as like committed to him as they are to let's say Kevin Knox, who came out today and was like, it feels great to have the organization behind me or whatever his exact, I forget what the exact words were, but it was something to that effect. Whereas Frank went in front of the camera the other day and the, you know, anytime the words I'm here come out of a player's mouth during immediate availability, that to me, it might not be a red flag, but it's like a, you know, it's a it's a it's some color flag. It is what so, it is type of situation. Yeah, it is what it is, exactly. Um if you could you imagine if he said, I'm here, it is what it is. That would be really bad. <laughs> he didn't say that. Um I guess my my only not pushback, but my only um uh thing that I'm wondering about is you that would be that would assume that things went really well. Not, men, not even really well. Things went well this season. Like Frank was happy. The team was happy. Everybody was happy. And I think that presupposes that both the team and the player are on the same page about what the player is. And I don't think the team is on the page that Frank Nilakina is a point guard. And I just wonder, is there a part of Frank Nilakina that wants to still be on that page? Um, so that's the only thing I guess I, I, I wonder about um, Jeremy, what do you, what do you think on this one? I would
2: say, you know, Monte Morris just signed an extension that was three years, $27 million. Nice. And nice. Morris nice is, yeah, I mean, he went from a two-way player to earning an average of nine million a year. That's great. He, to me, is a really interesting case study because of the fact that he's a few years older than Frank is now. Um and he's certainly much better in terms of how he's able to operate. He plays for a winning team. He's incredible when it comes to his assist uh, to turnover ratio. At least he set the record in college for the best one of all time. So he, he's a pure point guard who's excelled in the NBA. Um, Frank has not gotten to that point yet. So the idea of will Frank come close to producing at that level three years from now, I'm not sure, truthfully. So if you're the Knicks... I can understand why, you know, if you throw out that $8.3 million uh, qualifying offer and he takes it, then he's got a no trade clause. Can't really do much with that. It's a little bit tricky. Um, and if you offer him something that's lower right now, it'll probably be looked at as an insult because the idea of making uh, Frank's salary for 2021, 2022 being on par or lower than what he's making this year. um, I I don't think he'd take too kindly that I'd offer. I, I don't know if anyone really would knowing that you're on the upward trajectory of your career and yet you're making less than you would be. So um, hopefully, you know, he does get paid. I'd love to see it. I think it'd be bold to say that he does get a contract before the year is uh, for the off season's over. Um, but no, I, I would, I'd be, you know, I'd love to see him break that Charlie Ward course. That'd be amazing. Curse. We all would. We all would.
3: Um, Gavin, anything, anything to add? No, only that. I would love to live in that world, but it would um, be antithetical to one of my predictions to agree with Alex. So I will say that I, I don't think it will happen. And I'd encourage everyone to listen to Locked on Nix to find out what that prediction is. But before that, John, I know we still have one final one left. Basically, yes.
0: Basically, you just witnessed the breakup of Locked on Nix live. On, yeah. <laughs> podcast. It was it was bound to happen eventually.
3: <laughs> and we got the video
2: of it, too, now. Yeah, it's good. Um,
1: <laughs> I will say that I think this is the... Gosh, I don't know what I think is more unlikely. This or or yours, Gavin. Not not I don't want to I don't want to piss on your parade, Gavin, but just man, 35 minutes and 20 points. That's a lot. Um, yeah, uh, well, so mine I think is probably gonna come in as like the least hot uh, of these of these takes, which is that um, one, Dennis Smith Jr., I think will start game one. That's I don't think that's a particularly bold prediction. Uh, I think the bolder part is that I think he's gonna play well. Um, what is well you know i i don't i'm not i'm not comfortable putting any numbers on that because i'm i'm a bit of a wuss uh but i think it'll be good enough that nick nation universally looks at this and at him and is like Wow, that's that's the guy that we that we wanted to get in the Porzingis trade, and and we're cool with this. And like, yes, let him run with the job. Can't wait to see where this goes. Where it goes from there, I don't know. Does he sustain it? Does he play like that for two weeks and get traded? I'm not comfortable saying either of those things. But I think when you when you have a situation like this where the problems, I'm, I, I, to me, they're they're all above the neck they're all above the neck and not to say that those are easier problems to fix. If anything, they might be harder problems to fix. Um, but I think, you know, I don't know. I could see the relationship with Tibbs going well as crazy as that is to, to say, um, maybe who knows, maybe Dennis Smith jr is one of those guys that always needed a coach like, like Tibbs maybe might not be so crazy. Um, yeah, that's my bold one. Um, so feel free to shoot that down. Anybody. I don't, I don't know what you guys think.
0: My counterpoint to the whole, did he need a coach like Tibbs thing, would just be, didn't he already have a coach with this, the renowned and respective Tibbs and sort of the the rep for being a hard ass in uh, Carlisle already? And, and then, then Carlisle got a better, better looking girlfriend the next year. Yeah, but ultimately, like... I don't know. I mean, it was sort of on Dennis Smith to adapt or die in that situation, right? And And he he chose die. Yeah. But uh, I think he needs to feel
1: loved. That's my point. I think it's uh, for Dennis Smith jr. It's all about feeling loved. And you I think Tibbs is going to make
0: him feel loved. I think, <laughs> I think the York, Tibbs I is going to make him feel like a piece of shit. Sometimes <laughs> but that, but, that could be
2: Johnny, Johnny Bryant or Johnny Bryant, not Johnny, O'Brien, yeah, Johnny true. Bryant, helping to balance that out. But and,
1: that's why they brought in these guys, right? The Johnny Bryant's, the Kenny Payne's the, the Mike Woodson's like, these are guys who make players feel special. And is, is Dennis Smith jr. Willing to give the organization that chance? I don't know. The one thing I will say, um, He's up for a payday. Um,
0: and if I, this is something I will put out there, I think money matters to him. I think money yeah, absolutely I mean, matters. It to him. matters to everybody. It, he's literally, I mean, I think I said this on Locked On Knicks like in the last couple of days and probably also said this on the Locked On NBA preview show that hasn't come out yet, not to spoil too much. Um, but he's basically, I mean, if he if he plays like he did last year, again, this year, he might literally not get a second NBA contract. Oh,
1: he's playing in China then in 18 months. Yeah.
0: Yeah, like, or Europe or whatever. Europe might not even want him because he's not a Europe style player. (laughs) Like, he would probably go to China and be like, he would be like the new Quincy Doobie, you know, like dropping like 80,000 points after flaming out in the NBA. Um, And they'd love him over there. Maybe he would become Marbury's apprentice. Yeah. uh, (laughs) That's a good one. And, you, you know, end up that way. But yeah, no, I mean, he's, if he puts up another year like last year, he's out of the league, period. Or he gets one or two more failed shots and then he's done. Yeah. Uh, and and that's it.
1: In my defense, a lot of people like I've been I've been saying some version of this in like my newsletter over the last few weeks and people are responding to me like how in the world can you think that he deserves another chance based on what he did last year? And my response was always like if he comes out and he does what he did last year again, then he's he should be like cut like immediately. That's mm-hmm. not what I'm presupposing. I'm presupposing he comes out and he looks like a, a different player. But you
0: know, yeah. yeah. No, so obviously. That, yeah, yeah. But, but like yeah. you were saying, like what constitutes better. And I'm like, I mean any-
1: I think I think <laughs> he's I think he is his rookie year self, but like five to ten percent more efficient. In every way, meaning more efficient from the field, more efficient in terms of turnovers, more efficient in terms of like trying hard on defense all the time. Not like a huge, but like just a, a, enough, because mm-hmm. I think that dude that we saw as a again, he wasn't a good player, but he did stuff. And I think, you know, there, there, there's a version of that guy that can help a team. So that's.
3: Gavin, what were you going to say? I, I just, I think the argument for it was that he was, and I think this is what you're getting at, uh, John, he, he, was, he was broken last season. It wasn't, that wasn't who he was as a player because that guy looked like he could barely play college basketball. He, yep. he absolutely couldn't shoot, was completely indifferent defensively, I mean, he looked like, frankly, that he had other stuff on his mind, which we know he like dealt with the tragedy last year. Intuitively, it makes it would have it would affect anyone. It's incredible sometimes when it doesn't affect other players more, and I think you almost have to throw out last season. because Statistically, it was like the worst shooting season a perimeter player has oh. had in modern NBA history, right? He was the worst player in the NBA. I feel comfortable yeah. saying that. The worst, like, pl- the worst rotation player. Worst rotation player in like yeah. a couple of years in terms of his efficiency numbers. Like yeah. was, you, you don't see, like, young Ricky Rubio was sort of similar. You really don't see numbers like that um, in the NBA. And that makes me think, okay, this is a complete outlier. I want to throw this out. I, again, going back to Alex's point, though, the question I have, I mean, is how adaptable is this guy? How willing is he to play a role that he didn't play his entire life before the NBA and, and to your point, John, maybe two years of added maturity of just life experience say, okay, I am not that guy in the NBA. There, there are Luka Doncic's out there who are much, much better than me at basketball. And I, I am not an alpha dog on this level, but there is a way I can contribute. And we've seen flashes of it. I thought the first couple of games when he went over, and again, this is a small sample size, when he first was a Nick, he was making smart decisions. He was a good passer. He was prudent with the basketball. He What was it? He shot 19 free throws against Detroit. He was getting to the line. There's a mold for him to be an effective NBA player. Um, The shot has to be dramatically improved. That's the biggest thing. I, I think for him to have a future as a rotation guy in the NBA, he has to be able to hit free throws at over a 75% clip. Is that true? He's going to make his money with his athleticism, his ability to get to the basket. And if he can do that, if he can shoot 75% from the line and 35% from three, which is a exponential improvement from last season, it's a meager improvement from when he was younger. I think that's doable. And to your point, I mean, there's stuff that he can do that Frank just can't do. And the inverse is true. And I think we'd all agree what Frank does is ultimately more valuable But there's a fair argument to the contrary, given the constraints on some of the other guys on this next team. I don't know. Jeremy, what what, what do you think about it?
2: Well, John knows this, but I keep going back to the point of if you can't play with Luka Doncic, who can you play with? And so for me, it's, it's the idea of, I don't know what Dennis Smith Jr.'s future is, but I don't know if he's necessarily a winning player. I'm dubious about that. It doesn't mean, you know, don't give him a shot, but it's a sort of thing where, and again, I know you're saying that he didn't look like how he looked before. For me, it's just the idea of he, I can't remember the last time he really popped because in college, even then I thought uh, for me, I, I never was a huge fan because it just felt a lot like um, like a lot of flash and, you know, the, the dunks were great. And some of the playmaking, it could work, um, but it, it just didn't, it never felt like it came through. So, we saw, I think today, Miles Powell talking about how he's studying Patty Mills because that's yeah. the player he wants to become. And I'm curious if Dennis Smith Jr. has that mindset of, I need to study who these players are and, and try to determine who I can be. I'm sorry, I couldn't hold in my laughter for that. Or versus the idea of him thinking like, well, no, I'm a former lottery pick. I, I belong. Dude. I should be a better player than this. And, and thinking he has higher um, aspirations. And it's fine if he does. It's just a matter of if he hits them, Um, and I'm, I'm skeptical that he does. I certainly hope it, you know, because that was a huge part of the trade that came in for Porzingis. If he's not going to be considered a long-term asset here, at least try to get something for him, but, um, not to the point where you're like trying to salvage one second round pick for him. And that's, um, negating any growth that you could get from other players. So I, I don't know. Part of me thinks that what you're saying, John, might be the boldest of the takes that we've had.
0: Ow. And that he starts, the
2: starting part is not shots fired. I think he could definitely be a starter the playing. Well, I'm sorry, Alex, I, I know you're still on the, the DSJ train, but um, it, I don't know. It's uh, I, I hope to be wrong here. I just, what we've seen in the past doesn't necessarily prove that he will play well.
1: It, it's, I'll, 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 what were you going to say? Sorry. No, it's just hopefully, a, hopefully he's changed. Yeah. Sorry, um, Alex, I didn't um, I just want to say you bring it up the Doncic thing like who doesn't want to who doesn't want to play with Luka Doncic it reminds me of when Kyrie Irving didn't want to play with LeBron James anymore and Dennis McJr thinks of himself as like a Kyrie Irving as player <laughs> and that's not it's like that's not an exaggeration Um, so yeah it kind of made sense Um, Alex final final word
0: and no, then we're closing out this part of the episode I was just gonna say I want to clarify that I don't I don't like I 100% think that Dennis Smith Jr. is going to, like, I've joked about it on Twitter and whatever, saying, like, I'm dedicating my life to, like, the cause that Dennis Smith Jr. is going to be better. I'm not 100% sold on it. You know, a lot needs to happen for him to reach plus player. I do think, like, certain aspects of his game have been overlooked. Like, I don't think he's a great point of attack defender, but I think he's actually a decent team defender stuff like that like he play he hawks the passing lanes pretty well when he's not on the primary ball handler the only problem is if he then gets in a one-on-one situation with like a shooting guard on the other team he's vastly overmatched so you know it's things you have to like weigh throughout the game but like yeah i it, i don't think there's a great chance of him proving to be a starting caliber nba player i think i think there is a chance that maybe he starts this year getting to the point where we can start looking at him maybe as someone who tops out as like Dennis Schroeder at some point in his career.
1: Where did my life go wrong that I am the one of the four people on a podcast defending Dennis Smith Jr. I need to go home. I mean, well, I'm in my home already. I I need to go into a quiet room, a dark room. Macri, where are you? And reassess (laughs) and reassess my, um, my values. and Who's uh, holding like, you there? Do I need and, to uh, examine the room and find context clues there's a, there's to come a rescue chain, you? There's a chain under this desk. All right. Um, <laughs> thank you, uh, Jeremy, Gavin, and Alex. Um, again, quick reminder, go subscribe, listen, rate, review, all the things um, Alex and Gavin on the Lockdown Next podcast. Um, and um, as you are now done with this episode, go check their feed because this the, the follow-up to this will probably be up there uh, very shortly. And uh, as always, thank you for listening to another episode of the next film School podcast and we'll be back with you with another episode uh, very soon.